our cars will break down. And when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. But, um, yeah, no, there, there were points where I think Conklin showed a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's he's more of a traditional tight end physically uh, and, and showed a little bit more of, of that physicality that I think we wanted from Rudolph. You know, I think he's a little bit – well, I think everyone is – I think Zimmer is faster than, than Rudolph is, but I think he is a good um, – sort of compromise between the physical tight end who can, you know, come down with catches, contested catches, but also has kind of an extra gear that Rudolph didn't. Um, I, I do think Irv Smith had a couple big games. He had a couple touchdowns, but I do, um, yeah, I, I haven't been completely sold on a lot of the hype surrounding him, to be completely honest with you. But, I mean, it, it raises a really interesting question. It also raises the question of whether or not the Vikings should invest a draft pick in a wide receiver three, um, or if they should essentially use Conklin and Smith Jr. as a de facto wide receiver three. You know, we all talked about the, the Vikings potentially being able to draft um, the, the receiver out of Alabama. was Devonta Smith, I think is his name, if I'm not wrong, um, which I think would be too good to pass up if that were the case, but as things stand now, what are your thoughts on Conklin, uh, Irv Smith, the, the wide receiver three spot, so on and so forth, Mr. Oberly? Uh Well, I guess I, for me, uh, losing losing uh, Kyle Rudolph uh, creates a little bit of a hole there when it comes to blocking, and, and blocking is going to be a continued requirement for this offensive line until they get it fixed to, to have uh, have someone who, who can do a good job there. Uh, Irv Smith is, uh, you know, the younger of the two guys, and he's he, he has the potential. They, you know, and certainly was drafted that way, so I, I think uh, they got him eye, their eye on him being a, a very good uh, uh, pass catcher, and he and he is a good downfield blocker that I've seen uh, uh, in the past couple of years. But uh, and and I think uh, you know, I almost thought you know they were kind of saying goodbye to Conklin when they drafted him, Smith, because you know he didn't develop fast enough. But maybe maybe there will be a good combination between the two that you know uh, Conklin started coming on in his pass catching this year as well. I don't think he. You know, it's all about opportunities, and and some of those uh, Kyle took up, and some of those Justin Jefferson took up. So uh, I, for me, it's a wait and see to see how they uh, take step to the next level. But uh, th- this is their opportunity, and and they should run with it. 
Conklin's a fifth rounder, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and so I, I don't think he was ever taken to, to be, you know, Rudolph was in the second round. Smith was in the second round. He, they were not looking at him to be their number one. That's Herb Smith Jr. And, and that's his job to go out there and take that. And I think as, you know, he's been, I think the opinion has been given here and I'd agree with it, that he's probably that part of it. He took to it better or about as good as they were hoping that he would. And, and I said, he can't still develop, but that he's not been unwilling but we just haven't seen the mismatches. And that, that's what he was supposed to offer, was to get, how are you going to cover him when you've got yeah, right. you know two guys on this guy and a guy on this guy? How are you going to cover him one-on-one? How are they going to do that? Well, it just you know he had two touchdowns in an earlier game this year and then two touchdowns in the last game of the year when, you know, basically garbage time against the Lions. And, and um, so I, I don't really know that I count that. But if it gives him momentum, great. But yeah, I just haven't seen him be that guy yet, and or, or nor have I seen the Vikings really commit. And maybe that's because Rudolph was here to working him in that way. Now, if we have more diverse attack this year, where all of a sudden he is a real threat, the way you know the Packers use their tight end or the Lions use theirs, I'm I'm okay with that because I think that he's got the the skill set to do it. But there's been times games have come and gone. You're like, was he even on the field? Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if the, yeah. I wonder if this will force the the Vikings to do that you know I think a lot of people had this misunderstanding of Kubiak you know was labeled as this two tight end guru and he did run a lot of heavy personnel don't get me wrong but it wasn't reflected in the stat sheets that both tight ends got significant targets at all I went back to the 90s I did a season by season audit and really Again, a lot of heavy personnel stuff, a lot of 12 uh, personnel stuff, but that was mainly a blocking thing or a, in, a run blocking thing. Kubiak would default to a tight end that could block better than he could catch. So going back to the, like the initial stereotype of Rudolph being a complete non-blocker, a lot of people thought that he would be replaced by Irv Smith Jr. because he was a better blocker, maybe not as consistent in the passing game. Uh, and that's the way it's been. So I, I, we'll see if the apple, how far the apple falls from the tree in regards to Clint Kubiak and, and running through three tight end sets. But it's just another question, you know, a question mark on this offense. I mean, obviously they have the best one-two punch at receiver. Um, you know, there's maybe not that many balls to go around to begin with. But I think you nailed it, Tim, by saying, you know, where are these mismatches? Do those are those mismatches predicated on maybe playing opposite a more traditional tight end and and you know getting behind the the uh, linebackers thusly? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, but I, I still think the team needs to find a consistent third receiver. And it is really interesting that with BC Johnson kind of fell off the face of the earth. He's another guy that, that after games you were wondering if he even played, uh, at times last season. And, you know, I knocked him a little bit. I don't think he had an atrocious 2019 by any stretch of the imagination, but I just think that we got a little excited just based on the lack of productivity there. Um, but I also think that because of the COVID cap situation, they, I don't necessarily think the Vikings need to invest any sort of day one or two draft pick on a receiver. Uh, you can find 
a veteran guy floating around. Totally. Probably a steal, wouldn't you say, Joe? Or you can find one deep in the draft. I mean, uh, receivers are always uh, – there's always plenty coming out of college, it seems like, certainly in the last few years now. Um, You can also get ones that don't work out. I mean, this past year, the Vikings picked up Justin Jefferson. He was phenomenal. And they passed, uh, you know, some other people that have passed on him are regretting it, like the Eagles per se. But uh, I, I think, you know, if you get a, if you have to go after a Devonta Smith, which you know, on on paper sounds great, you're going to have to give him the paper, and then you're going to have, you know, you're going to have to give Justin Jefferson the paper, and and you know, you already got Adam Thielen with a lot of money. That's a lot of, a lot of money invested in one position. So. I mean, I know that's stuff they, they figure out and work out in the wash, but I'd rather use that uh, first-round pick on on a different position that has a huge need, and 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 you can plug someone in there that you can, you know, an offensive lineman per se or, or, or a defensive lineman that is going to be on your team for the next five years and a really solid performer. Uh, I, I don't think a, as a wide receiver three uh, – it's just not that high. I don't think you're just you're drafting one of those in the first round. So that's that's my take. Yeah. I just I would just add to that, you guys, that if if, if Devontae Smith is there at 14, I've said this on a previous show, every general manager at that point needs to be drug tested. And um, <laughs> but but if, but if for some reason he is still there, it's worth saying again. <laughs> yeah, you, you take him because I mean I think right away. It changes everything, and you you worry about the fact that you know. But but Jefferson will be on a rookie contract for a couple more years. He'll be on a rookie contract. They're slotted in. They can't break the team at that point, and right away you you become a matchup problem for every team. I mean, everybody should be excited about you know that. And it just if Kirk doesn't you know just laser in on one guy all the time. Um, how, how do you are there enough footballs to go around? How you do that? But I think the biggest mistake people can make or general managers can make is you know drafting for a need. When there's something else there, and I, I did a piece uh, for, for Vikings Territory a couple weeks ago about Jim Finks, and here's a guy who built the Vikings into the, the Purple People Eaters in the late 60s and early 70s. And then he went to Chicago, and he first of all, he helped the Cubs win their first in one year, helped them win their first uh, pennant in, in like 40 or 50 years. Then he went to the Bears and ultimately was responsible Wait, for putting was, together. he switched sports? Did you read the piece? <laughs> I just, I guess I didn't pick up on that aspect. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. He, absolutely. He, he, he did. Yeah, he did. He um, he spent one year before, before he went down to the Saints. Uh, you know, he was out of football, and the Cubs said, "Will you, will you take over our team?" And he did. He became the president of the Cubs, and they won the pennant in like '84. And wow. he had already put together nine of the eleven guys who played on the Chicago Bears defense, and the you know Jimbo Covert and their offensive line, and. Willie Galt and Jim McMahon. So he, he and Walter Payton, you know, he put yeah. together, you know, all, all that team. So, but my point is more than once he went through drafts and he passed on uh, Joe Montana and he passed on, you know, other uh, Jim Kelly and Dan Marino in the same draft. So he, he like went back and said, yeah, I but didn't those are get quarterbacks, it. Tim, though. I, I guess I'll just differ a little bit. Those are quarterbacks he's passing on, which can really, make or break your franchise. But, you know, as far as a Devonta Smith, would you uh, uh, assess the same thing there and say, you know, pass on him? When, because if, if we don't finally address the fact that our offensive line needs help with a, with a blue chip player, we're just going to keep kicking that offensive line can down the road and we'll have a flashy, you know, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just trying to say the other side of this argument. I, no, and I'm, I'm knowing you're. I'm not saying you're wrong in the sense of do, do if, if you're asking me what's the number one need area. But what I'm saying to you is, if there's a player who I think is just too good to pass up and he doesn't play offensive line, yeah, okay. I'm taking that guy. If it's an edge rusher, if it's a receiver, if it's a I hate to say it's if it's a corner, but but um, yeah, I, I really am saying that there are certain players in that draft that if they're still there for whatever reason, I would take them. Devontae Smith is number one on my list, and and the, the kid from Trey Lance from North Dakota is number two. Mm, wow, interesting. Boy, that really that really uh, 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 sets up a a heck of a pick at fourteen for the Vikings. Because... Oh, I think it could be an edge rusher. I mean, there's a couple yeah. edge rushers out there too that. You know, right. the, you know, you know, and you guys mentioned it earlier, talking about you know you need that position. I remember reading, reading John Madden's book way back in the day, and he talked about how he and Al Davis used to argue about what do you need first. You know, well, you need a franchise quarterback. So Madden would say, now you need a left tackle. You need to protect his blind side, and and Davis would say, no, you need to do two things to win in this league. You need to pressure the quarterback, and to do that, you you need to. A, get pressure on him, but B, you've got to make him hold the football. So you need great edge rushers and great cornerbacks. And the Raiders always had those in abundance. You know, they always drafted them and they always won. They were a very consistent winning team. You know, Pittsburgh had a run and Miami had a run. And, you know, but the Raiders were always right there with them every year. And, and they built it on that philosophy. So that's kind of always stuck with me. You know, we've got some good corners, but, you know, I'm, not sure we don't need another edge rusher too. So mm-hmm. I agree with everybody else. I mean, I would have loved to have seen them address the offensive line, but if it's like even last year's draft, I mean, I don't. I would have loved to have known what the Vikings would have done had Philadelphia taken um, Jefferson. What do the Vikings yeah. do? Yeah, yeah, great question. I we don't look that. nearly so smart. I bet if, <laughs> if he's not still sitting there on the board. Right, you end up taking the the guy that the uh, the Eagles took, right? Because you, you needed a receiver for Stephon Diggs. You may, uh, you may have some people looking for jobs right now. Yeah, that's you, a good point. Uh, let's say Smith is gone, but Trey uh, Lance is available. Tim, what would you? I take him. And then what would you do? I, well, I I I would you know, sit for a year. I mean, I, I, I don't like, I mean, I don't like what the, what they did to, to, to Christian Ponder. I mean, I don't like what, uh, you know, some Joe Burrow got thrown into it this year. They're just like, you're the guy. And, and I think guys come into the league more prepared to play, but if you're putting them behind a bad offensive line and, and people know he's going to throw the ball all the time and everything up for failure. So you can't hit the puppy every day and think you're going to end up with a good dog. You know, I mean, I just think you just you got you got to let the puppy be a puppy for a while. And but I, I would, and I could be 100 percent wrong in this, but I don't think as a general manager I could pass up Trey Lance. I would grab him. Can, uh, can I ask a quick question, Tim and and Joe? Do you do you guys think any of these guys are going to get traded? These quarterbacks we're talking about, uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, are there others? I mean, do you think they'll they'll go to new teams? Do you think that's going to happen ultimately, or is it all just? I think Russell shatter? Wilson. Won't this season because the dead cap money for Seattle is like literally thirty nine million, and that's just insane. Um, but I could see it happening after that. I mean, I, I know they want three first round picks to start, uh, but right, that, that that's 
this is the thing that f- f- flies in the face of it for me. As much as dissatisfied as Deshaun Watson is, who's who who can do that? And you just end up wrecking your team by giving away three three first round. You know picks. what? You could know. look at all these franchises and say, like the Jets, what have they gotten out of their last three first round picks, and what would they get? I mean, the 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 off the thing with Russell Wilson that makes it also untenable is the fact that he's thirty two. Um, Deshaun Watson is 25, so you would you could arguably have him for the next 12, 13 seasons. Whereas Russell Wilson is 32, so until you do something to, to piss him your off, entire future. Because by the time you get another first round pick, he'll be 36 years old, and it's like, okay. Yeah. Was that really worth it? Plus, Russell Wilson wants apparently some sort of quasi GM role, which I don't think a lot of teams. Why would a GM trade? All of that, and then also give up part of his autonomy in the process. It's just none of that makes sense. Deshaun Watson, I think, makes a lot more sense uh, for because yeah. he doesn't have all those caveats and he's younger. And they're going to have to rebuild anyway. I mean, they trade away DeAndre Hopkins, and then they they uh, let JJ Watt go, and and yeah. Watson wants out. It seems like they're they they might as well go into full rebuild mode. And, start from scratch with with a bunch of draft choices so maybe that one will happen but i think with um russell wilson i'm just interested here with the 12th man's all about the first time he starts throwing some incomplete passes or some interceptions i mean there's a guy who had a great situation who has just completely peed all over his leg i mean i just don't know what he was thinking you know what what he felt the motivation was to do that yeah like like joe pointed out his his situation is almost impossible to trade so now he's going to be back there. And, and if, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm like, where did that come from? You know, we never heard any of this before. And now, right. now suddenly it's a problem. Um, so I, I don't think he, he, if I was his agent or his PR guy, I'd have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, you think, let's, you think let's dial that him? back, you know? You think- and, and so I just don't know what he was thinking. And um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that, you know, and we never know really, but I, I just, you, you get stuck in this thing of drafting for a need. So I, I probably told the story before, but forgive me. But so the Vikings years ago uh, wanted in the worst way to take Warren Sapp and Warren Sapp had had several dustups down at Miami. And he rumor was he'd failed his drug test, you know, for the, for the draft. And Denny green was like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I'm taking him. I'm taking him. So the Vikings had all sorts of off field issues and, and, um, so the, it comes the, the Vikings pick, and I met my 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 future in laws. So maybe I was married at the time; I can't recall. But my in laws home, and my father in laws napping, right? And I'm watching the draft, and they draft Derek Alexander, this this oh defensive my. end from Florida State, and I freaking start throwing things. And my poor <laughs> father in law is like, you know, like whoa, he wakes up from his nap, you know, like what's <laughs> happening? And I'm throwing a temper tantrum like a five year old. Not not since I'd seen them do this with Marcus Allen for Darren Nelson was I so unhappy. Nice. And uh, so I wait a couple of weeks and I said to Denny and Denny could be very guarded. But I said, you know, I think the only person who was more unhappy with me uh, but passing on Warren Sapp had to have been you. And he like looks at me and he wouldn't say anything, but he just turned and like walked away. And then a couple of weeks later, he walked by me. He never breaks right. He goes, you were right. And he just walks right by me. And, you know, it's a couple of weeks later. And I go, what? I was, oh, he's referring back to <laughs> what I said about whatever. What so a great story. So then you go to the Randy Moss year. 
And all day long, they're building it up. He's still on the board. He's still on the board. And I'm working at that, that you know, that day. And I'm like, because I loved working. I did not mind working on the NFL draft day. It's like Christmas. And and um, I'm just like, oh, my God. And everybody's going, well, the Vikings take him. I go, I promise you, he will take him or there will be uh, police units responding to, uh, you know, Winter Park. Yeah. Because Denny, Denny will go on a spree if they make him. And sure enough, they, they took Randy Moss. So my point is this. You know, they, they went, you know, for the safer pick and Warren Sapp's in the freaking Hall of Fame. He's a terrible human being, but he's a heck of a football player. Yeah. That's a great story, Tim. I love that. I've not heard that one. I'll write about it in my, my painful life as a fucking yeah, I was going to say, that's as a, a great Viking story. Because I've never really heard it framed that way, that maybe that was a lesson learned. Um, oh, 100%. Hundred percent. You know, all these other teams were passing on Randy Moss left and right because of all the issues that he had. And I'm like, going, there is no way Denny Green will let this happen twice. And I talked to him after that, and he was that was exactly his attitude because they should have listened to me three years ago or two years ago, or whatever it was. They would have had both Sap and they would have had Randy Moss. Hmm. What year did you start covering the Vikings? Ninety four. Okay. Um, because you were with. You did some Packers stuff, which I probably shouldn't say aloud. And no, that's Cowboys all right. Stuff. <laughs> that was a trip. Yeah. Is, that's a really – I'm always interested in this kind of stuff because we get so stuck in our little Vikings bubble that we don't have a lot of perspective on other sort of fandoms, the, the ferventness of them, the size of them, the differences between Vikings fans and – Cowboys fans, I know you've said that Cowboys fans. I mean, who would you, how would you rank those in terms of passion? A, of those three teams, and then B, in, in terms of average fan, the knowledge that they have of the team or of the Ooh. sport. That's a really kind of subjective uh, qualifier, but yeah, do you feel like Packers fans know their stuff more so than? Viking fans do, or are they more homer? Well, I think for me, the one thing I thought was the funniest thing, the observation I had about Packer fans is you'd meet these people who like had 58 different pairs of Packer tennis shoes, like green and gold and all these different hats and all these different jerseys. But you put them in the, you put them in the same room, they hated each other. They're like, oh, he's not a real fan. I mean, they, this would always be like, you know, it's like a beauty pageant. You know, I mean, they just that was hilarious. But the cowboy fans, you you could drive in your car, and if you had your AM dial, you could just sit there and punch buttons, and every station you punched on was talking about the cowboys. It could be May, it could be July, it could be November. It didn't matter. And to come here and have one sports talk radio station and that rarely talks sports when you're in those markets. They talk about the Cowboys year round all day. Wow. And you hear some real delusional stuff because people have way too much time on their hands and they'll start thinking they can trade, you know, one player to the Minnesota Vikings and get like eight players and seven draft picks. Oh, wait, they did. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it sounds like we've got someone else joining in on our, our, our broadcast here. Can you hear that, Tim? I can. It almost sounded like aliens or something like yes. that. And I was wondering if that was just me or we've lost Joe again. It, it could be. Yes, you yeah. are. But your your sound is is not what you'd uh, yeah. 
hope for. So may, maybe we better wrap it up for this week. Uh, unless we you still, wrap it up, Joe Oberly. I, I I would love I would love to ask you about though before we go. I would love to ask you about your your Bruins and uh, your uh, North Star piece. I, I I read it. I loved it. I I, I love the fact that the. Uh, 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 the, the the insert of the of the the video from back then it took me right back to that time, and uh, I think I might have I don't know if I texted to you I, I was watching the 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 North Stars in in the Stanley Cup my entire spring se- uh, senior year at at St John's University and, and I was in the bar every day with my buddies watching the games that they were on and it was just it took me right back there uh, I I just so I I wanted to uh, uh, just let you. To, to tell your thoughts on on writing that piece and and of that time. Yeah, yeah. So you know that night, my parents were on a trip down in Puerto Rico, and I'm sitting on the couch, and it's six thirty, and and I go walk over to the TV because we didn't have a remote in those days. You got up and you turned the channel, and my brother, who's three years older than me, goes, well, "What are you going to watch?" And I said, "I'm going to watch the North Stars." He goes, "I'm not going to watch the bleeping North Stars." He goes, "No way. Well, what are you going to watch?" And he was going to watch like the Battle of the Network Stars at seven o'clock or some. Trumped up, you know, made for TV show. And I go, look, look, let's just watch the first period. And if it's, if you're getting killed, we'll change the channel. And then, of course, there's a fight seven seconds into the game. There's another fight, another fight, another fight, another fight. And we're like, oh my God, what is going on here? And went to school the next day and, like, literally couldn't find anyone who had watched the game to, like, talk to. And I was, like, coming out of my skin. You wouldn't believe what happened. And then, of course, they went on that run that eventually propelled them to the, to the Stanley Cup. And so what, for me, I, I was always taken by the, the, the story of that. And then when last year was 40 years of the miracle on ice, and mm-hmm. I wrote a piece for the National Sports Center, you know, and, and um, I, while thinking that, I thought to myself, well, gosh, next year will be 40 years since that brawl in Boston. I'm going <laughs> to write a story about that. And, and um, it was really fun to um, get the former players. I t- actually talked to four. Bobby Smith declined to be quoted for the article. He did not want to talk about mm. the fight. He said, if you want to get back to me anytime and talk about anything hockey, I'll, I'll happily do that. But I don't want to talk about this. And, and I said, I respect that. You know what? And so I, there was what he said, if you want to put in this and that, I go, nope, let's just, let's just leave you out of it. If you don't want to you know, participate in kind of the memory of the whole thing, I go, that's fine. So, but, but to get those other three guys and, and get their fantastic. take on it, yeah. Yeah, and and they they were all really cool too. I sent it to them afterwards, and all three of them got back. To, no, actually, Brad Maxwell hasn't, but the other two did. And and Corey both said, Roberts, I think, was and, and one Don Beaupre. Yeah. And both of them said that was fun. Love to do that again. That was great. You did a really nice job with it. So I mean, for me, I mean, you were a senior in in college. I was a senior in high school. Yeah. And and the drinking age was uh, eighteen in Wisconsin. So we would <laughs> we would jump in seven eight guys in a car and drive out to Somerset, Wisconsin, and you know. For two dollars, you could have four beers and watch the North Stars game because yeah, they didn't televise the home games at that time, and mm-hmm. they were all blacked out. But if you went to Wisconsin, you could watch them. Right. So, so we watched that whole run to the cup, and and so it was a very happy, magical time for me. And it just leads me to believe too that this market is so starved, and and yes. that year was a very warm spring, like this has started to be. And watching the, the Wild playing with Kaprizov, and just like, man, I just would love to see the, the Wild make a little run and let everyone be excited fun? about uh, some spring playoff hockey. 
Yes, it would. You know, I had too bad about Bobby Smith because he was the whole catalyst there. It started with him, and it even had eventually had Glenn Somner throwing punches <laughs> on the sideline. But uh, that, that's a great thought. You know, I, I am really starting to, to to get excited about what's happening with the Wild. And you know, they just came, they just you know came off their six game winning streak. They they got beat the other night, but uh, hopefully they'll be back at it tonight. But that story, if you want to check it out, is on uh, miniice.com, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, and Joe ran it through Purple PTSD and Vikings right. territory as well. He was great about you know posting the whole thing out there. I can't thank him enough for that, and giving me really bringing me back in this and giving me the opportunity to write that story. Otherwise, I, the date would have come and gone for me, and I wouldn't have had anything to do with it. So I, I really feel appreciative to have been able to tell that story. Jim, um, I didn't realize it was. Tim, Tim, Joe, I we just can't, Joe, we just can't understand a word you're saying, yeah. my friend. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll sign us off here. Tim, I was glad because I didn't realize it was 40th anniversary, but it, it took me back, and I was I was digging it. But you can find that on Mini Ice and even on uh, uh, VikingsTerritory.com and PurplePTSD.com, the sites that uh, promote us here. And, and – uh, this is on. Uh, we want to sign off to all those folks up in Detroit Lakes for KDLM Radio. Thanks for for having us week to week, and uh, thank you to Tim and, and Joe. And uh, we'll be back next week, uh, next Wednesday, with another show. And uh, appreciate you listening to us. So until that uh, time, I'll sign it off as Joe Ice likes to do. Skull. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV and less repair bills plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary.